Thanks for listening to the Galilee Students Podcast. We exist to help students love God, love others, and serve all. In a couple of weeks, we're just walking through the book of First Peter. And here's the thing: we, we like doing that. A lot of times, we preach uh, and also talk on stuff that's really um, more of a topical. Like on Wednesday nights, right now, we're just walking through like some dating stuff, and we're talking about that, like how to do it, what, how to pick people to date, those kind of things. Just been talking about that for the last few weeks. In there, in here, what we like to do sometimes is a lot of times we'll do topically. We'll talk about friends. We'll talk about how to live in family and things like that. We'll talk about how to do school things, but to Really what we like to do as well is we like to walk through books of the Bible. Because uh, here's the thing. Hopefully you have a Bible at home. And if not, hopefully you have one that walks around with you in your, like, in your pocket. Like you have one of those that, that many times you can reference in your, like, in, on the phone because those are really helpful to have. So anytime, we'd love for you to follow with us. We're in the book of 1 Peter. It's written by a guy. Like his name is on the title. It's written by a guy named Peter. And here's the thing I like about Peter. I think he's a guy that we can... We, we can like, you know, we can relate to. Because if you've ever known anything about him in the Bible, he makes a lot of mistakes. And I can really relate to that. There's a lot of times where I do that. There's a lot of times where he puts his foot in his mouth. There's a lot of times where he like acts before he, he's thinking. And like he does that all the time. He's the guy like, he's the guy when Jesus walked in the water. He's like, well, I, I can do that. Jesus called me out. You know, and he, he begins to walk on the water, and then he loses, he loses his faith, and he like sinks to the bottom. There's another time where he is, he, he like, he is a guy who reacts. He doesn't think many times, uh, like myself. He's the guy when Jesus is getting arrested. Like the guys come up, and the, the Roman soldiers come up and arrest him, and he's like, "Oh no, you didn't! You're not arresting my Jesus!" And he gets like, grabs somebody's uh, sword and cuts the ears, the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not how we do things here. That's not how we roll. And he puts the guy's ear back on. Because that's what Jesus can do. Uh, and he, he, he's that guy. He's the guy that when Jesus is arrested, he's kind of following behind Jesus. He sees that he's arrested. And he's taken to this, he's taken like to before uh, a courtroom. And he's out in the courtyard so he can just hear what's happening in the courtroom. And they're like, oh, well, we know who you are. We've seen you with Jesus. And like, no, 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 I do not know this Jesus guy. Another person comes up again. Hey, you were with Jesus, weren't you? You're from Galilee. He's like, no, 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 that's crazy. The next time he like, he's like, no, I do not know this man. And for three times he says he doesn't know Jesus. And then the rooster crows like Jesus said he would. He denies Jesus, his best friend, three times. Jesus, we know at the end of that, he comes back and restores Peter. And, and I love that, that, you know, we can mess up and we can go far away from Jesus and come back. And, and I love that about Jesus, that he always would have us back. And he says, Peter, you've got a really important job. I want to build my church on you. Like, you're going to be the one guy that I'm going to really begin to build some things on. And that's who this guy we're looking at. Peter, probably, if I was to put Jesus' best friend here on earth, I would say it would be Peter. He had the 12 disciples, but then there were three of them that were a little closer. There were Peter, James, and John. And here's the guy that's writing about Jesus. And if there's anybody I wanted to write about me, it'd be somebody that knows me really well. I want it to be one of my best friends. Like the, the first couple of weeks we talked about that. Like in high school, it would have been my buddy Pete. He would have wrote my story. Kind of weird that we're talking about that. From, from like the last 20 years of my life, the person who would write my story now, I would say would be my wife, Sarah. Because she knows me the best. And in and out, I'd want she, her to write my biography. Like what about me? Like I'd want her to write that. And here we get Peter, one of Jesus' best friends. And he just begins to write to this church. 
He's writing to this group of churches that nowadays would be modern-day Turkey is who he's writing to. These churches up in that area. And it's kind of cool that we still have this. And this is now written for us. And we get to follow along and look at it. We've talked about this in the first show. I'll bring you up to speed. Like he's writing to this group of church people who are exiles. Because in that time, and even nowadays, it's not, it, it, it was really tough to be a Christian to say you're a follower of Jesus. So a lot of these churches were really scared. Now here in America, we're not really scared to come here today. Probably you weren't like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, like someone's going to uh, hurt me because I come here. But there's a lot of places all over the world where they have to like hide to go to church. And they, if they're found with the Bible, like the Bibles are not allowed. And there's a lot of places all over the world where that happens. We're, you know, we're not really suffering too much here to call ourselves Christians. Yeah, somebody may make fun of you because, oh, you go to church. You're a church guy, church girl. Okay, I get, I get that. You may get left out of a few things because you're a believer. Uh, but there's not a lot of suffering many times that we go through for being believers of Jesus. These people were going through a lot of suffering. And Peter's writing to them like, hey, hold on, stand firm. It's going to be all right. You've got Jesus. And uh, we have this hope in Jesus. And we're going to be, we're going to be okay. Now, I'm just going to preface today. And sometimes the Bible's like, ooh, this is really good, encouraging stuff. Like, I love this. Thank you, Bible. Uh, you're helping me move on. You're helping me do life. Like, that's so encouraging. This is awesome. Thank you, Bible. Thank you, God. Thank you for writing this section of Scripture. I just want to tell you today, like in the outset, I guess I'm going to be Debbie Downer and just tell you that today is kind of a tough word. And sometimes we, we have some Scripture, and it's okay. Like we, There's some tough words that we need to hear sometimes, and we need to be reminded of some things sometimes. And if, I, if you're taking notes today, like the main word you need to write big across the top of your paper is this word that we really don't like very well, and it's the word Submit. We do not like the word submit. We do not like the word submission. It's not probably one of your favorite things. Oh, I love to be under authority. I love when people boss me around. I love when I'm told what to do. Like, I really love that. And it's not really something fun we, we like to do. But that's what we're going to look at a lot today is that we need to be submissive. And we're going to kind of look at three different points, uh, three different groups that Peter's really going to talk about here in chapter 2 of First Peter. So if you have your app, if you have your phone, it's going to be behind me on the screen as well. I'd love for you to follow along on what you have. Um, but here's what we're going to find. We're going to find ourselves in Second Peter chapter 12, verse 13. Here before he talks to us and he's going to tell us, like he starts off with a word that we don't like, um, but we're called to do it. Submit yourselves. For the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Let me say that again. Every submit to every human authority. That right there, we're like, what? This is 2021. I am not, I am in charge of everything. I'm in charge of my life. I am in charge of everything. And here the Bible says, no, 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 no. You ain't the boss, man. Whether to the emperor. We don't have that anymore, right? But we have people over us in, in government. As to the supreme authority, or the governors, we have governors, who were sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He goes on to say this in verse 15. You go ahead to that next slide for me. In 15 he says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. 
See, a lot of times what would happen is for Christian people, they'd be like, oh, you're not following the emperor because you're trying to follow Jesus. And he's like, hey, just do what they ask you to do so you can silence those stupid, foolish people. Just do what you're supposed to do. You can, you can silence a lot of that foolishness. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Why? Because we're image bearers of Jesus Christ. That's why we show proper respect to everybody in our world, like our teachers, our friends, our co, whoever is in our world. Like we respect you because they're an image bearer. Like they're made in God's image, just like you and me. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You see, the word submit means this: that we're subject to something. That we have to place ourselves underneath someone else's rule. We have to like render ourselves to, to we are the subordinate. We are not in charge. And our main problem with authority is simply this. We don't like people telling us what to do. I, I haven't met too many students who are like, yeah, I love having my parents boss me around. That's my favorite thing to do, Brian. That's so cool. I love that. And nobody likes having uh, teachers or principals or whoever may you may put above you. Like we, we do not, we, we don't sign up for that. We don't like it. Most of the time what we do is we try to get away from that as much as possible. Let me get out of having to submit. Let me get out of people's authority as much as I can. Let me make my own calls and my own decisions. But Peter here calls us that we have to submit to human authority. He uses words like emperors and governors and government. And this will be the first time that in the Bible it says that we are supposed to be submissive to the people over us. Like there's somebody who's always in our life. I don't care how far you try to get away from having a boss, someone in your life is probably going to boss you around. Even if you own, you own your own company. Like everybody thinks, you know what, I'm just going to own my own company and no one will tell me what to do. But here's the thing. The government's still going to tell you what to do. Yeah, your company, you're going to pay this much taxes. Oh, your company has these regulations upon it. Oh, this and this. And we, we try to run from authority, but here's the thing. There's somehow, there's going to be always be authority over us. And if it's not the government, it's God. Like he's the ultimate authority who we are under. Our responsibility is these exiles that Peter talks about is simply to submit to them. And Peter's going to give us a few reasons. If you go ahead to this next slide, we're going to, we're going to look at a few reasons why we must submit to the authorities. He talks about this in verse 15. He says, actually, you know what? It's, it's God's will that you would submit to the authorities above you. Like it's God's will that you have a boss. It's God's will that there's a principal. It's God's will that you have a parent. It's God's will that there's a president. It's God's will that there's a, there's a governor. It's God's will that he has put these things in order. Like he, he, he has said, you know what, and, and that should be just enough for us there, right? It's God's will that there's people over us. It's God's will. He gives us another good reason. Like the second thing, he talks about this. That the governing authorities that exist have been appointed by God. And that's kind of a really, really hard one to put our mind around sometimes. That God has put all authority in place. All authority in place. Parents. He's put parents in over students. He's put mayors over towns. It says here that God puts every authority in place. Whether you like the president or you don't like the president, here's the thing. We vote. Yes, we have a vote. But God is working His will through the world. 
He's working his will. And I don't care if you like the president or if you don't like the president. I don't care if you like the governor or you don't like the governor. I don't care if you like the senator or you don't like the senator. It doesn't matter if we like parents or not like parents. Like he's put these people over us. And rough like your boss or you don't like your boss. Like he has the, he's put the governing authorities have been appointed by God. Like if you read this, uh, we'll read a couple of scriptures that talk about this. Go ahead to Romans 13 if you would. Here, yeah, let everyone be subjected to the governing authorities. For there is no authority. Except that with God has established. And he says it again here. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I mean, God selected some bad leaders, put over us. Oh, we see this in Scripture. If you go all the way back to like the first leader I ever remember that being bad in the Bible, it's found in Exodus chapter 9. There's this guy named Pharaoh. He's over. The Egyptians. And under the Egyptians are these people named Israelites. And they are slaves. And it says here in Exodus 9.16. But I have raised you up, Pharaoh, for this very purpose. That I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed to all the earth. God puts Pharaoh in charge. Not a good king. Not a good governor. Not a good emperor. Because he's going to make his name great through. That's a lot to wrap our minds around. But it says this, that God has done that. He has done this. We're going to read it. Uh, keep reading it in Romans 13. If you go ahead to that next slide for me. He continues on with this, this thought. You got the next slide up there for me? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Freezing up. There it is. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority. Uh-oh, that's bad. I did this a lot growing up. I love to rebel against authority. Most times that authority was my parents. I rebelled a lot against them. Anything they'd say, I, many times they'd want to do it. Like, they say, go this way. I'm going, I'm going this way. What the heck are you talking about? A lot of teachers, man, I would rebel. The speed limit, I would obviously many times rebel against, you know, and do my own thing. Yeah, Brian, here you go. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God's instituted. Bad news, Brian, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the law and authority? Brian, do you want to not have to worry about parents? Do you want to not to worry about the speed limit? Do you want to have to worry about the, 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 the principal or the teacher? Do what's right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Like the speed limit is there for my good. Like my parents are there for my good. The principal, the teacher, they are there for my good, not for to, 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 to ruin my life. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. For they are God's servant, agents of wrath, to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. God's put all authority over us. Why should we submit? It's His Idea, it's his will, as hard as that is for us to understand. God sees a lot more of the picture than you and I see. I still struggle sometimes with having to submit to authority. But man, this just reminds me, Brian, I put it there for a reason. I put good leaders up there for a reason. I put bad leaders up there for a reason. I put good teachers there for a reason. I put really bad people there for a reason. Like I'm working behind the scenes. 
But there, there comes this question. I'm sure it's the question you're, you're probably thinking. There's this principle of submitting to the government, other people, and authority. And it's probably this question. Brian, you, you know, I know I'm supposed to say, I'm supposed to follow authority. I get that. But is there ever a time when Christians are justified? Like as a Christ follower, is there a time I'm justified for refusing to obey governmental authorities? Is there a time, Brian, like you're saying, i got to listen. The Bible's telling me i got to listen to this stuff like the people over me. Is there ever a time where I'm like, no, I, 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 I can do what I, like I should not do that. And Peter himself, we learned, he knew about this firsthand. You see, Peter had been under a lot of authority. He's bumped up against the authorities a lot. We find this here in, in Acts chapter 4. If you go ahead to that next slide, here's what we find. This is Peter here, and they're going to call him before uh, a, a, a quorum pretty much. They call him in, and again they commanded him not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You see, Peter was doing this thing where after Jesus died, he continued to talk about Jesus. And the authorities did not like this. They're like, hey, shut your mouth about Jesus. Don't talk about him anymore. The authority tell him not to do this. Is there ever a time where we cannot have to listen to authorities? And here's what he says. But Peter and John replied this. What's right in God's eyes? Should I listen to you? Authority? Governor? Emperor? Or to him? You be the judges. And Peter's like, look what he says. I love this. As for us, as for Peter and John, as for me and John... Man, we can't help speaking about what we've seen in her. Like, if you would have seen what Jesus had done, if you had seen Jesus raised from the grave, you would not be able to shut your mouth up either. And he says, hey, we're not going to either. Like, who's to judge? Like, we should continue to talk about Jesus. They're like, stop talking about Jesus. And he's like, this is that one time, man, where the authorities have told me this, and I've got to do this because it's not what should happen. Here in the next verse, if you go ahead to that next one. One chapter later, now all the apostles, not just Peter and John, but all these dudes who after Jesus has died continue to preach about Jesus, all of them are brought before the court now. It's the all, entire apostles here. They're brought men and they're made to appear before the Sanhedrin. This is a, a religious court. And they were to be questioned by the high priest. And here once again, man, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. We told you to shut your mouth about Jesus. Look what they did. You filled Jerusalem with your teaching. We told you to be quiet and shut up about Jesus. If you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, Jesus' blood. Peter and other apostles replied, I love this, this is strong. We must obey God rather than human beings. You see, these guys weren't going around breaking any law except the law. Not to speak about Jesus. It's the only one they broke. But they said this, we must obey God rather than human beings. You see, here's the thing. Here is your exception. If we go to that next slide, we, this next slide talks about here is the one exception. The one exception. Is there ever a time when Christians are justified to refuse and obey the government authorities? The one exception is only when the government tries to force you to disobey God. Then we must disobey the government. And there's not really, there's not a lot of times when this happens. But if there is a time this happens, and they say, Brian, here's the thing, you can't preach that. You can't preach the Bible. And guess what I have to do? If I'm brave enough, 
I'll preach the Bible. There's not a lot of these times when this happens. But there is an exception. We are called to, you know, listen to the authorities whenever we should. But there is an exception when they say this. Hey, you know what? You know, you cannot do this. And this does not mean this. Like, a lot of people believe this. Like, it's only the one particular law that we're kind of asked to obey. That I have no authority to continue. Like, I can't, if they tell me I can't speak of Jesus anymore, I can't go to the people who are coming in to arrest me and begin to punch them and fight them off and things like that. Like, I can't break another rule of striking someone else or striking an officer or doing something like that because that would be breaking another law. Like, the only law that I'm allowed to say, no, I'm not going to do that to, is the one that, that would ask me to disobey God. Like, I can't rage, I can't destroy property because of that. Like, my job is to simply say, you know what, I am going to continue to do what uh, you say not to do because it is what God has called me to do and I believe it's in line with God's word. Rather, we're charged, instead of raging against the authority, to pray for those in authority and submit to them in all other areas. And that's really hard for us to do. Why? Because we don't like to submit. Our responsibility as Christians is to submit unless it goes against God's word. Then there's a time where we can say, you know what, God's word says this. God's word teaches this. He's going to go to another group uh, now. It's the second group we're going to talk about today. And he says this. The next group is, are called slaves here. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit. Submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate masters, but also to those who are harsh. It's really tough. I mean, I'm supposed to submit to people even harsh to me? You know, I would submit to the good the good leaders over me, but I, you know, even the harsh ones, yeah, because it's or it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. He goes on to say this in verse twenty. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? You don't get much credit for doing that, right? You do something wrong, you're probably going to, to get to get hurt. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, and it points back to Jesus as the Bible many times does. Leaving you an example, Jesus says an example, that you should follow in his steps. And here's the steps that Jesus took. We find here in verse 22, Jesus committed no sin, he had no deceit, was found in his mouth. But here's the thing. Jesus continued to suffer. In verse 23 it says this. They hurled insults at him. He wasn't doing anything wrong. Jesus didn't retaliate. Then when he suffered, he made no threats. Jesus didn't threaten people. He could have. He could have backed up the threats too. Instead, he entrusted himself to those who just judges, just, judges justly. 24, he himself bore our sins on the cross, on the body of the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. 25 says this, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. There's no getting around the fact that this verse talks about slaves. And it probably refers to, to household slaves. Now, many times the Bible would be used to, to say this is why we should have slaves and something like that. And one thing we need to realize in first century context 
uh, not a 21st century context, like the slaves were different. Slavery in America well, was horrible, and slaves were captured and kidnapped, and they were bought and sold like, like property. They were mistreated, they were abused, and many times killed, and it's an ugly piece of uh, American history. But this is talking about slaves in the first century, and it was, it was a lot different, a lot different than that slavery that America walked through. See, slavery in the first century was different. Slaves many times were well-educated. Many times these slaves, even though it was still difficult, they had opportunities to buy their freedom and to be free people. Now, don't get me wrong. It's never desirable to be a slave. It's not. But here in the New Testament, it's kind of cool. Peter is trying to do this. He is not trying to uphold slavery and say that slavery is right. That's not what he's saying here. He's actually, the cool thing he does, is he actually elevates the slave and brings them into the conversation. And look, that's what the Bible does many times. Many times uh, for, for women. The, Jesus always time raised women up and begin to talk with them in a really, really good way. And he would acknowledge them. Here the same thing is happening with the slaves. He doesn't just leave them out of the conversation. He's like, hey, we want to bring you into the conversation. We want you to know that, there's, that we do, like there is a point for you. There is a, 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 a promise for you here. And he begins to talk about it. And Peter brings them into this conversation. In Galatians 3.28, he says this, For there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ. Here he's saying this, that you know what, you have to serve the master. And a lot of times masters didn't treat them well, and he says, hey, continue to serve, because here's the thing. As you continue to serve, even though they're wrong, you will find favor in God's eyes. If you would be submissive, if you would be patient, if you would simply endure the mistreatment, like God sees this, God is working. And to put it in other words, uh, when you're doing that which is good despite being mistreated, that's commendable in the sight of God. And that happens for all of us. When we continue to do good when other people are bad leaders, like that's commendable in God's eyes. Even though we're treated poorly, God says, hey, I see that. I want you to know that. I see that you are you, you are doing good, but it's still very, very difficult to do that. It's very, very difficult to, when everybody's treating us wrong, to just do what we're supposed to do and submit to that. It's really, really difficult. Because here's what you and I want to do. We want to stand up for our rights. You're not treating me right. All the time, we want to stand up for our rights. And the Bible's saying here, you know, just you don't have to defend yourself all the time. We don't always have to be in the right. We don't always have to stand up for our rights. So as many times we do. But there's a lot of times when we just have to suffer through the suffering. And God sees that we're trying to work and do good, even though the people over us are not doing good. It's a tough section of Scripture. Very, very difficult section of Scripture. Following Jesus' example. He says, why should you do that? Because Jesus did that. Jesus was beaten. He did not try to fight back. Jesus was clowned. He was made fun of. He did not clown or make fun of anybody else. He just took him. Jesus didn't threaten people when they threatened him. He simply marched to the cross. Bad leadership over Jesus. Jesus says, you know what? It's okay, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to go to the cross because I know the good's going to come. Many times when we will sit under suffering, really difficult leaders, 
there's good that can come from that. Is it easy to send her to that? No. But Jesus knew what would come from that. And many times that's hard for us to see. Very difficult for us to see. We're called to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Last group, and the last part of the scripture we're going to read, if you go ahead, uh, he is going to now talk about another group that's called to submit. And I know nobody in here, most of us are not married here today, but someday you may need to be married, and we're not just going to skip over it because we're walking verse by verse through the Bible. So I'm going to talk about this today. I'm going to talk about it quickly and talk about how the Bible calls wives to submit. And here's what he says. Wives, in the same way, remember he's talked about, hey, all of you are submissive under the government. Slaves, servants, you are submissive. He's now going on to talk about wives. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So that if any of them don't believe in the word, they don't believe in Jesus, like when you submit to them, they may be won over without words by simply the behavior of the wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. He goes on to say this, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold and jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, like his is better, it would be that of your inner self because that doesn't fade, like the unfading, unfading beauty and gentle, quiet spirit, which is of great worth to God's sight. God's like, hey, fashion is cool, but inside is a, is a lot better. For this is the way the holy woman of the past, who put their hope in God, adorned themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. And here he gives us an example, like Sarah in the Bible, who obeyed Abraham called him her Lord. You were her daughters if you do what's right and don't give away to fear. The husbands aren't left out of this as well. Husbands, in the last verse we're going to read today, husbands in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you to the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayer. So now we get into another group of people that are talked about submitting. And it's another time where we have to talk about submission. We've talked about authorities. We've talked about slaves. Now we're going to talk about wives. And many times, here's what happens. We see authority and we see submission as, as something really, really negative. And here's the thing. It's not always a really negative thing to be in submission and to be uh, under authority. Because if you look at... If, if you look at God, there is submission and authority all through the picture of God. We believe that God is a triune God. It's like a, a triangle, like there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And if you look in that relationship, there is authority and there's also some submission going on. Does that mean that one's weaker than the other? That means that one doesn't matter? No, that does not mean that. Just because there's authority and submission does not mean that, that one is, is better than the other. God in three persons, yet the Son submits to the Father. And the Spirit submits to the Father and the Son. You know, like, here's the thing. Men and women are all created equal in God's eyes. We see that all through Scripture. But here's the thing. Men and women in marriage have different roles. Just have different roles. Doesn't mean one's better than the other. Doesn't mean one's worse than the other. There's just the roles that God has sent up marriage to work this way. Now, here's the thing. It's very hard to hear sometimes in our Western kind of culture. This is kind of countercultural, and it just does not settle with us that, man, we, like, we have to submit to our husbands. It's just what God's word has called us to do. And here's the thing. This goes way back to Genesis chapter 3. 
One of the things that's going to be really hard in marriage for women to do is going to be submitting to their husband. If you look back to Genesis chapter 3, I think this is the last thing that happens from up here. Go to Genesis 3.16. Uh, so Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve have both just eaten the fruit, and God said there's going to be, just like when you mess up, there's going to be uh, some ramifications from that. And here's what he says. Unfortunately, women, there's going to be pain in pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. And here's the second one that many people never remember that there's going to be this as well. And, he, and you will also desire to control your husband. But he will rule over you. Like there's going to be this, it's going to be difficult many times in, in a marriage. And you guys have probably heard your, your parents and it's not always easy. And there's some times where they rub up against it and it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And here's the thing, all through since the fall, there's been this really kind of a power struggle go on. And it's one of those things it goes back to, it's kind of the battle of the sexes, that there's going to be this strife in marriage. The parents are going to have disagreements. And when you get married, you're going to find out that there's this, this struggle going on. And it goes all the way back to the fall. That, hey, you're going to want to be in charge. But really what God says is I'd like for you to submit. And, and just what he is talking about here is one of those things. God created men for some reason. He created them to lead and protect. And he created the woman to, to create and to come alongside and to be a helpmate. And to, to help the man. Like the Trinity, the, the man and the woman share different roles in authority and and submission. And many times this is a negative light, but I don't see it in a negative light. And ladies here today, God does not call women to submit to all men. That's not what he's saying here. You are not to be submitted to all men. You are called to be submitted to one man, and that's your husband. Your husband. That's the, the only one he's talking about here. He's not saying submission of everybody, every other guy. Like that's, and a lot of times guys take this a really wrong way and they become these egotistical jerks and like to boss people, especially many times their wives around. Like we both take this a really wrong way. Sometimes guys are total jerks and sometimes women really, really fight against this scripture in the Bible. Man, if we really just see that God is, he said, you know what? It's called to be something good for you. Good for the relationship. Ephesians chapter 5, God calls the husbands to sacrifice for their wives just like he would for the church and just like Jesus did for this church. You know, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's kind of like a dance. Like God has kind of like put this, this, this dance together. If you ever dance with someone, like I'm talking like the ballroom kind of uh, dancing or a dance where someone has to lead. Maybe you practice some of that because you know homecoming or eighth grade formal is coming up and you want to know how to dance. Like you, you just want to do that. Or maybe you've done some salsa dancing or maybe you've done something where there is someone that has to lead the dance. If you ever watch that, like I used to watch, uh, what's the one that the show that's on where they bring all the stars in? Uh, so you think you can dance? Is that what it's called? Is that right? Um, like, I like watching that, but here's the thing. When two people... When two people know how to dance, and when they're of one mind, it's a beautiful thing. 
It's this beautiful thing. When, when there's someone that's leading and there's someone that's willing to follow, it's this beautiful thing that goes on. There's this, this beautiful dance that goes on. And, and many times that's what marriage is supposed to look like. That one person's leading, but the other person, it's just really important that they would be with them and they would help them in the dance. They'd make it more beautiful. And if we just see marriage as this more dance where, hey, we're both having to pull this off to make it work together. We're both having to work together to make this go on. That's the way marriage is supposed to to look, not one person fighting. I mean, if you imagine in a dance, if somebody really tried to fight against the other person, someone's going to trip and fall, and it's not going to be good. Same thing in marriage relationships. It's this dance where one is leading a little bit, and one is submitting, and the other one's submitting to the other one, and they're both submitting under God. And it's this beautiful dance that's supposed to happen in marriage. In closing today, before I pray, and we go into communion time. My question to you, and we talk about submission a lot today. Have you yourself submitted to God? Are you calling the shots? Will you follow him? Will you submit to his word? Will you submit to Jesus? Will you say, yeah, I am going to follow God. That's what I'm going to do. Even though I'm a person who likes to call the shots. Even though I'm a person who doesn't like authority. Even times, many times, I like to rebel against authority. I will submit to God. I hope in my prayers that you will, because he is a good God. He's a good leader. He's a good, good father to put ourselves under. So I'm going to pray. We're going to go into a time of communion. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. It's tough to submit. We don't like to. We would much rather rebel. We would much rather call the shots. We would much rather do what we want to do. But God, you've called us in, our, in your word to submit ourselves to the, the people over us. And would you help us do that? Would you help us to see that there's good in that? Would you help us to see that you've put people over us for a reason? God, just help us in that time. God, I pray my prayer is that we'd all submit to you. And God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.